Stardate 1029.2021. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. This week, we're we're super stoked to be reviewing the series premiere of yet another, another brand. Another one. Just another Star one. Trek. Another in the line. It's like a, it's like a, what do you, uh, uh, what are those factories that just put, what is that called? Uh, things tonight. An assembly line. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's like an assembly line, but a quality one, right? Because this week we are covering Star Trek Prodigy, the new animated series from Nickelodeon and Paramount+. Plus. We're going to dive into the first two-part episode that dropped earlier this week. But first, I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. Uh, with me on the view screen, we have... Mariah Gossett. Clyde Haynes. And we typically do uh, this live pod on Thursday nights, but a lot of us have been working or out of town and just unable to get together earlier this week. So uh, we're glad you're here with us tonight and, or listening on the pod feed. And um, I think Clyde is the only one in his actual like podcast studio right now. Mariah is traveling in LA. Am I supposed to say that? I can say that. Yeah, I I, yeah. I can divulge okay. that I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just moved into a new apartment in Austin. I don't have my setup yet. And so I'm totally echoey. You can see like a, a, a half assembled uh, IKEA futon in the background. It's all mm. good. It's all good. People can relate, right? Yes. Very relatable content. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So thanks everybody for showing up. Um, Grant's not going to be with us tonight. He, uh, you know what? I think he's doing another podcast tonight. Mm, that traitor. Yeah. What? Not cool. not cool. No, not, not cool. cool. I know we'll we get... we took over Friday night, which I think he already had something planned. Yeah, so. he, yeah, he got something. He had something else. He's probably calendar. somewhere drinking and talking about beer. Knowing probably. Grant. He's drinking, talking about video games tonight. I think is what he's doing. Mm. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah, we're going to talk about Prodigy. The the series premiere aired earlier this week, and it was a two-part premiere. Um, but before we dive into that, I want to remind everybody, if you want to support this podcast, visit us at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. There you can make a $2 an episode pledge. And if you do, not only will you get a whole back catalog of awesome bonus content where we review almost every original series uh, Star Trek movie, uh, like hour-long episodes all about Star Trek V. You know you want that. Um, we have uh, content all about uh, Seven of Nine and the best Seven of Nine episodes. Tons of great series that we have um, for you there behind the Patreon wall. And um, you'll also be invited to our private Slack community uh, that's full of Star Trek fans that have watch parties almost every single night of the week, watching old Star Trek episodes, watching movies. I think uh, earlier tonight, or maybe it was yesterday, everybody got together and watched the uh, Prodigy premiere again uh, to be ready to talk about it tonight in the chat. Um, So it's great. Um, Visit us at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. And that's how you can support us. Mariah, where else can people find us? Oh, yes. You can go to StarTrekPod.co to find links to all our social media pages. Also, uh, places you can download the audio version of the podcast and all of the links to find the video versions as well so that you can join us uh, for the live chats because it's really fun getting to engage with everybody uh, during the live stream. So 
Thanks for tuning in, folks. So that's StarTrekPod.co. Clyde, tell people how they can uh, join us tonight on the pod. If you happen to be joining us live in the chat, feel free to type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat, and we will know that you have a question or a comment. Um, Also, as we get to that special section that you know about, you can type a capital HF, and we'll know that you have a hot something to share with us. But we'll get to that in a minute. Speaking of capital HFs, um, guys, I want to know what you thought about this series premiere prodigy with some hot freaks. All right. <laughs> and of course, chat, uh, everybody in the chat watching live, give us your hot freaks in the chat. Tell us how you felt about this premiere. This like 42 minute premiere prodigy. I thought we we're getting like a 24 minute episode or something. Cause that's how long the, the series is going to be going forward, but we got kind of a double episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to give away what I thought about it. Um, Mariah, tell us what you thought. What's your hot freak? I thought this was a super fun ride. I think it's like very beautiful and like sophisticated animation. I thought the story was much more complex than I thought they were going to go for a kid's show. Um, I'm also really excited for those of us who are already Trek fans to get to explore some new species, getting to hang out in the Delta Quadrant. Also, we're back with my favorite captain, even if she is a hologram. Um, So I'm going to take the win (laughs) for that anyway. And I, I think it's like a very smart, I mean, from like a business perspective, smart decision on their part to get kids invested in this, but also just as a general fan, I really enjoyed the storytelling in this episode. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm interested to see how they're going to be able to sort of carry this sort of epic storytelling into a shorter format. Cause I do think this was lost and found part one and two. Um, and it was, um, it was hard for me to even figure out where potentially that break would have been if this was a uh, typical television, you know, where that we would have perhaps had some commercials, but um, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Clyde Haynes. Yeah, I I thought this was really fascinating. So we've been inundated with so much track. I have to admit that there are things that slip my mind from time to time. And one of those was I forgot that this was a children's show. And so when it when the credits started to roll and it said Nickelodeon on it, I was like, oh, wow, this is going this is going to be a little bit different. And so I was like, oh. And to your point, Mariah, you know, in fact, Mike, when you said it's a two-parter, I actually, while you were talking, went to Paramount to go, wait, did I see both parts? And I realized that it, that one episode was, was two parts, but I couldn't tell. And I thought that that long story format actually served it really well because it, it didn't feel rushed, right, to... To, to give us the backstory, the origin story, it didn't feel like you had to do all these these things to um, to explain who the characters were, were were very fast. It took its time, so I appreciated that. Um, I also thought it was fascinating because you know I, I tried to watch this with my daughter a little bit, and one of the things that she and she did she's not really a sci fi fan, um, but one of the things that she asked me was she said is this Star Wars or Star Trek? 
And I thought that was incredibly fascinating because it had very much a certain kind of attack of the clone Star Wars feel to it, including, you know, I was looking at these robots and going, hmm, that looks yeah. kind of familiar. So it had, and, and, and also when I think about that, also, I guess either originally or somewhat a children's, you know, it targeted toward children. It was a little bit dark where even though it had a TVY7 rating, I was asking myself, you know, for my young children, is this going to be appropriate? And how how much action and, and sequences are there going to be? So it was kind of interesting. Um, but I, I enjoyed it and thought it was a good story. And I liked the characters. I'm not quite sure about that blobby looking thing. Murph. Oh, Murph. Come I'm on. I'm not sure about Murph. I'm... I'm just not sure about Murph yet, but o- overall, I thought it was I thought it was good. Unpopular opinion on Murph from Clyde. Thank you very much. I, sir. I didn't say I didn't like Murph. <laughs> I said I'm not sure about Murph. No, sir, that is an unpopular opinion. The popular opinion is I love Murph. I want to hug and protect Murph. All right. That's I'm just trying to make sure that Murph is not some. Um, marketing grab that that's going to be the baby Yoda toys that come out. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I need it's, something more than that. It's a living gel pack from Voyager. It's so cute. I love it. I actually um, did like rock talk though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm going to echo what you guys said. And I have a lot of positive yet unstructured thoughts about this episode uh, in my head, but I was really surprisingly captivated by this first episode. Mariah, you mentioned the storytelling was great. I have to agree. It was, um, you know, a lot of times with kid shows, obviously, what you think when you think about kid shows, you think, oh, it's going to be cute and fun, and it's going to be very, um, very simplified and not very complex or engaging. And you know, this wasn't. Um, uh, this wasn't a Terrence Malick movie or anything, you know, but it was very engaging and it was really compelling. Um, the storyline did go to some places that were surprising and the storytelling itself was very efficient, but not in a way that um, felt rushed or curtailed. Um, it helps that it does take place in the Star Trek universe. So already when I, I hear that music, and I see some of the graphics, I feel, okay, even though this looks different and feels different and is aimed at a different audience than the audience that we are, that I am, you know, my, my age bracket, I do feel that it's, it's, I'm home a little bit. I do feel, and when they found a ship, and actually it was about 12 minutes in when the lead villain mentions the Federation, you know, it's about 12 minutes and I was like, all right, they're, they're, they're pulling us back into the Star Trek universe. And of course they find the ship and they find the Delta and then the translators start working. And at the end, Janeway pops up. It's like, okay, I'm definitely in a corner of the Star Trek universe. I've never been to before. And I'm excited by it because instead of like splashing so many um, um, very noticeable Easter eggs or references on the screen in the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes or first 40 minutes, whatever this was, this show did a smart thing. It made us care about the plight of these brand new characters. And it introduces to this brand new colorful um, little corner of the universe. 
And it did that, like it didn't even have to be Star Trek. It was just a good little story about a crew coming together and es escaping oppression, right? And escaping tyranny. And how do you do that? You get inspired by the symbol of the Federation, which is this great ship and these deltas and these badges that allow you to communicate with the people next to you. That was a big thing happening in this episode. They couldn't communicate with each other because there were so many young people on this planet working together, but unable to communicate. And they were all together, but isolated um, because the oppressors decided, you know, we're not going to allow these people to communicate. That's another way to oppress them. Um, but when they walked on that ship and they realized they could talk to each other, all of the, everything they thought about each other that was negative was washed away mm -hmm. and they just wanted to embrace each other and work together. Um, and I love that. And the characters are so different, but they all had that common goal of wanting to escape this tyranny that they're living under. And I think that's a really universal story. You know, we all have struggles. We're not all in prison camps, thank God, but we all have struggles. And we, we, sometimes we look to symbols to inspire us, right? And I felt that's what this was about. And we got the ultimate symbol at the end when Janeway shows up looking fly. And uh, of course, it's the return of Kate Mulgrew to mm -hmm. Star Trek, which was amazing. And, you know, right. I was so captivated by this that I thought that was the end of part one when she shows up at the end. And I and then the thing started playing Paramount Plus started playing a Discovery episode. I'm like, wait, what happened? Oh, <laughs> I actually watched like 40 some odd minutes. It felt like it just breezed by, but in a good yeah. way. I was just having so much fun. So a uh, long way of saying I connected with this thumbs up. I'm going to be watching the entire season. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I watched it twice. I watched it yesterday and then I watched it again this afternoon and there was still like, you know, for a kid's show, there's new details that I saw on the second watch. So I think it's um, very also just the background paintings. I'm just so impressed with like the artistic direction they've taken this show. And I think it like the, layouts are beautiful the background paintings are gorgeous there are a few times that um I, I don't know if it was the stream but sometimes the mouths didn't always match up super well with the dialogue which sometimes bothers me um but i'm sure it's just gonna get better and better um and i know they've already been renewed for a season two so i'm sure it's just gonna get you know as the uh, characters get more refined and hopefully bigger budgets are given like similarly to how we saw in lower decks the animation usually gets better each season um but they have a lot to work with here and yeah i think all the characters are super compelling um and i i like that we sort of have these different uh you know they're the familiar archetypes we're used to in trek right we have the engineer the communicator the captain and like mm -hmm. um all of these things that they're all sort of naturally trying to figure out where they belong on the, on the bridge. Um, and so I really enjoyed watching them try to figure out where, where they all needed to be. Um, Murph apparently is in charge of weapons, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, did Murph know that Murph was um, setting off those phasers or did Who Murph knows? just slip and on a banana peel and follow the phasers? We don't we, know. We, the we, mystery um, of Murph. <clears throat> Yeah. And then I, I find the relationship. So we have, um, you know, Gwen, who's been kidnapped, essentially, but not totally against her will. Um, and her her father is the um, oh, I wrote it down here. Diviner. The, the diviner. And they're the last two of their species. And so I'm interested into how I have a feeling 
that his vengeance against the our feelings against the Federation probably has something to do with the fact that they're the last two of their kind. And I wonder what happened to their uh, to their people, essentially, that drove him to be such a a, a, a tyrant to, to have children and orphans mining looking for a Federation ship. I like that. You know, I don't mind a um, a villain with a credible backstory to his villainy, mm-hmm. a villain you can relate to. And especially if it's interrogating the Federation, because as mm-hmm. we found out in almost every series, even though the Federation is great and wants to do good, and it's based in these extremely positive, progressive ideals, sometimes they, they're colonizers. Sometimes they steamroll over over people and planets without without thinking about it. So. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing, oh goodness, now I lost what I was going to say about Gwen and the, oh, um, the series creators talked about how they were very inspired by Khan and Khan is sort of the ideal big bad villain in Trek and sort of having that like villain who's beyond just like a mustache twirler and actually has like a reason for, mm-hmm. for, uh, wanting to be a villain essentially, which I think is where we get some of the best ones like, um, like Killmonger from black Panther, I think is a really compelling villain. Right. And, and it's like, are they really villains or are they just misunderstood? And like things just didn't fall the way that they should have fallen for them, that kind of thing. So um, I'm glad we're not just getting, especially for a kid's show. I think it's very easy to just be like, there are good guys and bad guys. And so I'll be interested to see, interested to see, because I think we explore that a lot in Trek is that it's not always super clear to fall into those two categories. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Cause I mean, I, I find it fascinating to ask myself, is this really a kid's show? Right. Because to, when we think about kids shows, one, you know, everybody's talking about the graphics in the chat, the graphics are absolutely amazing. Um, but I think beyond that, the storytelling, um, you know, I was, I was reading a book, um, this Tristan strong series. And, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by it. It's a kind of a African-American mythology series. So I'm curious about it. And I find it absolutely frustrating. And the reason why I find it frustrating is because so often material that is written for children, the characters do things that adults are constantly screaming. Why are you doing that? Right. Why aren't you taking this more seriously? Why aren't you paying attention? Why, you know, why are you going left when you everyone knows you you should go right? Um, And I think if you look at a lot of shows, they do that kind of for comedic effect and to be kind of silly. This show didn't really have any of that. And when when you talk about great storytelling, everything that Dahl did made sense. Everything that that Zero did made sense, even to the point where the things that Gwen did as a quasi semi villain still made sense. Right. There, there were there wasn't anything that was done just to be silly or, you know, just to kind of prolong the scene. It, it was it was really all purposeful. And I, I enjoyed that, right? And so there's so many things about this that this is one of those things that feels like, if it's almost like if children like it, great. But Star Trek fans are going to find this to, to feel like home. I think, and I think the reaction overall from fans has been pretty positive. Everything I've read online, seen on Twitter, people are like, yeah, this makes sense. We're, we're in 2021. Let's get a Star Trek show that is uh, 
has some beautiful computer animation that will draw the younger viewers in, but it is also not going to um, treat them like they're an uneducated audience, right? It's telling them a story that sure is kind of um, uh, born out of tropes. We do see some tropey stuff, obviously, um, but it, there's also death there. There's also death of character. Uh, and I'm really enjoying that. I do think still it's a children's film because uh, the 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 storytelling is very good and deep, but it's very you know straightforward and simplified. And I, I think it makes it easy for for kids to latch on to to a story when it's told just very matter of factly like that. We have some hot freaks coming in from from the uh, the chat. I mean, not to mention the chat is blowing up. I feel like there are more people chatting about this show this rapidly than some of the others. I don't know, maybe well, it makes sense. Friday this night is, or what? This but. is the first of its kind, right? A modern computer-generated Star Trek animated series that is aimed at a very young audience. Um, it's the franchise you, attempting, not- to cult- attempting to cultivate a whole new generation of fans um, with really good content. You know, not just I mean, kind of eating up sugar. You talk yeah. about how when your your episode ended, it served you up discovery. When mine episode ended, it showed it served me up a little thing that you refer to as Star Trek the animated series. Uh-huh. So is it is it the first? I mean, was was that who was that target? First, first computer generated. Star Trek the animated series was basically the uh, the original series with a little more flights of fancy. And I don't think kids on Saturday morning enjoyed it all that much. No. Um, Speak for yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Choopy's got a hot freak. She says, I thought I'd enjoy it, but I was riveted. I fell in love with every character. And, oh, good point here. How did they manage to already make the ship a character? What do you guys feel about that? Do you think the ship is a character? I mean, yeah, it, it already, I don't know if it's like, uh, I mean, we got the beauty shot moment, right? When it comes through the water, I was like, I like that we're getting some of our favorite things that we always get in our Trek shows. Right. Um, And I think, you know, when the, when the ship opens the door for doll, when he puts his hand on it, I thought that's that moment of like the ship's like, Oh, someone, someone needs me, you know, (laughs) even though we know the ship isn't sentient in that way, but it it was like an interesting I thought plot device to be like, ah, this opening of hope and opening of a new door, you know, that, that kind of uh, thing for doll and for um, rock talk. And, um, you know, and then when the translator starts working, so it's like the ship is definitely pushing plot forward as if it's a character, but um, I'm excited to see what they do with it as it, as it keeps going forward. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I didn't quite get, character yet i could see it because there are a couple things that i'm missing um and i feel like we've seen them in the star trek universe so there was this whole moment and i think we've had a couple moments where they've toyed with us in discovery of making the ship a very sentient character right so they've teased it out there a little bit whether it's been an episode or a short track and they pulled it back but also i'm used to you know, when we talk about Star Trek ships, 
you you immediately know what ship we're talking about, right? If you're talking about the Enterprise, if you're talking about Voyager, if you're talking about Deep Space Nine, even so much, if you're talking about the Runabout, right, or the the Delta Flyer, there are all these ships that you're like, I I know what that is. I I think this ship is called the Proto something. Proto Star. The Proto Star, but but I didn't get that that really that angle where the ship comes in and you see the NCC 1701. Like I didn't get that from where it was like, pay attention to my name. Know my name. I didn't get that shot. And no one referred to it as we're going to the pro like they were saying it, but it was kind of like, well, what are they talking about? So I'm not there yet, but I can easily see where we would be there. And, and to, you know, I agree with you, Mariah. I definitely thought that the ship was pushing plot forward. Yeah, I think the ship as a character for me felt like it was um, it was an engine to like emancipation for these people, right? It was uh, something to give them a brand new um, life. It allowed them to to escape their prison, right? And so and, and it changed their world completely, changed their universe. And also if we're talking about the ship as a character, I'm sure we'll get to know the ship more as we go on. We really just kind of explored the whatever entry port they went into, then then we got directly to the bridge. But as soon as things started lighting up and turning on, uh, it reminded me about when this series is set because we got a lot of the holographic controls pop up, which we've only seen in Picard, um, the Picard series. Um, you know, we didn't see those in TNG. Oh, of course, we've also seen them now in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Since we're so far into future, so I was like, "Oh yeah, this isn't a different, this isn't a, a different time period." I think it's uh, it's, it's five right- years after Voyager comes home. Is is it is that mm-hmm. what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. So, so that would it, make it five years before the Picard's big whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Lee's the, A said. Yeah. Prodigy is sandwiched between Lower Decks and Picard Timeline. Okay, that makes sense. So it's super interesting because we'll get a chance to see how what happened in the Alpha Quadrant affected the Delta Quadrant. That's true. The Delta Quadrant is so far away from the Alpha, which is Federation territory, but it obviously the Federation has affected characters in this um, in this series, not only because the ship's there, but because the uh, the main villain is like, fuck the Federation. Well, I'm I'm excited to understand. Like, they've done a really good job of planting some mysteries that are fascinating to me. Right, one being what happened to the Diviner and his people, but also how the hell did that ship get out there? Right. Yeah. yeah. Because the idea was that once Voyager made it back to the Delta Quadrant, we we had stopped playing with the Delta Quadrant. Bad things happen in Delta Quadrant. Let's. <laughs> Let's focus on the Alpha Quadrant. Now, yeah. there is a very technologically advanced ship in the Delta Quadrant. How to get there. And clearly with, with a Janeway, like, holographic program on there, that mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah. about that that is mysterious. Yeah. Did somebody who has experience, a Federation member who has experience in the Delta Quadrant, pilot that ship out there? You know, did, did Harry Kim take it out there? You know, that'd be cool. Yeah, he's we'll the see. last person needs to be piloting anything anywhere. <laughs> I, I was gonna I, say Tom, I was gonna say Tom Paris, but we, you know, he's already we've seen him in in Lower Deck, so he probably yeah. would. Mm-hmm. I do this. know that um, 
Beltran is is uh, reprising the role of Chakotay as a voice for this series, so that's a possibility um, that we'll get to see that. But also, yeah. um, just to confirm, it does take place in the 2380s, so the 24th century of uh, of Trek. And apparently, the showrunners of Picard and of this show have been in like pretty intense communication to make sure that they keep all the timelines correct. So I was like, that has to be such a stressful thing to have to just like hang on, let's let's zoom into the other Zoom writer's room to make sure whatever events we're planning don't mess up the events the other people are planning and what events they're planning don't mess up our planning. So right. that's got to be pretty I intense. think it helps that they're like in the Delta Quadrant, kind of far away from yeah. wherever Picard is. Uh, sure. uh, this is funny. Linda B says, is it a problem that Janeway <laughs> might be pushing coffee and caffeine to children? I mean, it's only if she's going to make these kids drink the coffee. If she's just drinking coffee, who cares? Yeah. Well, and I think part of it is it's. I think what we'll need to see is whether or not Janeway is re- the Janeway hologram is recognizing that they're actually children, right? Versus mm-hmm. just crew. Mm. I think that'll be interesting because if if she's recognizing that these are kids, then the smart move would be to lock out, lock them out from all the the systems. But if she's just seeing them as crew then you train them and keep them going. Yeah. It also depends on what type of hologram she is, right? Cuz you know, similarly to the the doctor on Voyager, right? Like there's there's limitations to what he can do as the hologram versus what the computer is capable of versus what the ship is capable of. So, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, like what her capabilities are as the series continues. Not just her capabilities, but her character. Will will this character be allowed to grow and change and feel emotions like the doctor did because the doctor was there as just an emergency um, emergency hologram. Right. But he grew and changed and became a a very deep and interesting character with his own internal life. Right. Are we going to see a a new, this new version of Janeway become someone different? Like, are they going to take the route of this is a different Janeway and this is her uh, story or her new evolution or or is it is it more based in the Janeway that we know I don't know interesting I think I think the 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 thing that you that makes us challenging if, from a writer standpoint is that you're bringing it it's, it's not like you would bring like if you brought in Tom Paris like you bring in Tom Paris to LDS you can kind of do whatever you want to with that character right but you're bringing in Janeway this is Kate Mulgrew Right. Like, first of all, if I say Kate Mulgrew, I imagine that she's done some other things outside of Star Trek, but her brand is Janeway. So I would imagine that someone of of her ability is not letting you play very like fast and loose with with something that is near and dear to, you know, her livelihood. And so I think you're going to, and I say that also to say is that I don't think she's going to show up and be a part of this project if, if, if it's going to be really tight and she's just playing this, you know, basically a robot. So yeah. I would imagine that we're going to get, we're going to get some Kate in this. Some, we're going to get some Janeway and this is going to be something because to me, for her to sign on for this, mm-hmm. that's a significant, I mean, if we like, we can say whatever we want to about Picard, but you know, part of the reason why Picard is Picard is because you're crazy if you don't think Sir Patrick Stewart doesn't have a significant hand in what's happening, right? Because, I mean, again, he's 
he's done a ton of stuff and and had you know he's professor x but we all know him as jean-luc picard so mm-hmm. i just i think these properties are too significant to the actors and and involved that they're not taking a significant role in how yeah. those characters are showing up so yeah I, which which to me mike makes it i'm that much more excited about this about this the show because i think she's very smart with her choices yes they're yes. gonna give her a lot to chew on for sure yeah. because she's yes. that kind of actor who's like i need to have meat in the script so give it to me you know she's that kind of actor yeah yeah, because I'm sure it was not, you know, easy for her to decide if she wants to reopen this mm-hmm. chapter in her, you know, sort of work Especially history. Especially watch Picard. <laughs> and not just that, her time on Voyager. I mean, every time she talks about it at conventions and documentaries, mm-hmm. she's like, I love the work we did, but it came at a great personal mm-hmm. loss for me and my family because I didn't get to spend time with them for like seven years. So. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, there's, even, some, there's some trauma there for, for her. Yeah, because even today I, I watched the Ready Room um, bonus stuff and uh, there was an interview with Kate Mulgrew and, and she was like, you know, it was an important chunk of time, but it was seven years of 16 hour days, like, which is an intense amount of work and time with that character. So she, I think, is going to be very smart. But she did say this is a much easier uh, production schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially just since i think a, a, i think a, a lot of them just recorded from home right yeah she i th- I think she went into a studio but yeah she's just like it's just me in a little black room with the yeah. director on a zoom <laughs> and like yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that's Sweet interesting game. i oh i was gonna say i saw some ch- uh chit chat in the chat about the ages of our main characters and i think mm-hmm. this kind of also helps set the I think maybe the more mature tone that we're sort of picking up on is that they all are almost all of them are teenagers. So doll is 17. Gwen is 17. Pa- uh, Jankum Pog, the engineer is 16. There's no age on the Medusin because they're a Medusin. Um, and then uh, Ruck talk is uh, eight. So that's our youngest character. Um, I want to, talk about oh did did we get a oh the medusin we don't know how old the medusin is you said no because yeah it's a medusin so there's yeah. no there's no life form <laughs> to or it, like body right. to age a non-corporeal ball mm-hmm. of energy yeah the medusin doesn't come off as a child right or as a teenager. no just this is wise being yeah especially a little mischievous maybe but Who yeah especially the they can remind that you know that, that's a lot of knowledge it's uh, Angus uh, Emery, I think is how you say their last name. Um, they're an English actor. Um, they were. They did mostly a lot of BBC stuff. That's not who I thought it was at all. But okay. can we give shouts to Jason Manzukis? Oh my gosh, that's that. Come on, casting Manzukis as a teenage Tellerite. It's nah, perfect. I, I mean, you say perfect. I go. That's a big roll of the dice. Like. Oh, yeah? To have a almost fifty year old dude. Play. Well, it's not just that. I mean, it is. <laughs> if you think about his other work, this is pretty on the other uh, end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's I, not. It's not far, Yeah. Far flung from uh from Big Mouth. And, like, Big Mouth, and I think he was the in league. The, the league. league. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Is this is just on another end. Although he does a ton of voiceover work, so I'm sure there's been like a peppering of other shows that are more kid friendly throughout the years. But yeah, definitely not 
the the main the main squeeze yeah. of that I'm man's sure career. I'm sure there's a lot of fun audio outtakes with him. Oh, oh I imagine the, the editing crew is just like, this is mm. going to be challenging. Yeah. <laughs> Let's that talk a, a little bit about um, how some of this might connect to Voyager just for a second. Because Kern says um, there's lots of potential repercussions on this show from Voyager's time in the Delta Quadrant, such as the Voyager's brief alliance with the Borg. I could imagine that negatively impacting some of the species here. Do you think we're going to play on um, some of the history of Voyager being the first uh, Federation crew in the Delta Quadrant now that this crew has a very advanced Federation ship that's flying blind through the Delta Quadrant? Are we going to kind of pull at those strings from Voyager? Do you want to see that at all? I think you have to. Right? I you, don't know if got- you do, though, because they're uh, well, not Federation I- kids. Yes, mm-hmm. but I mean, you've got a ship in the Delta Quadrant with a Janeway AI on it, right? And we've already seen a um, who who was the guy who brought the little Cation? Um, oh, the um, the guys with the really stiff hair. Yeah, who who? Uh, Kazon, oh, Kazon, Kazon, Kazon yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we've already seen a Kazon, and we Kazon. know that Voyager Voyager had a a number of arcs mm-hmm. with the Kazon, right? So to me, I don't understand how you couldn't have some repercussions. They're going to see that, that Federation logo and immediately go Janeway. Right. And, and yeah, I, I think you're going to have a couple repercussions. I, I just think that they'll be subtle because this is a new, this is a new property. Yeah. We'll see. I, they definitely said, you know, it's uh there'll be some familiar species run-ins, but they're also excited to kind of explore other parts of that quadrant in other planets and, and stories there. Um, at least in the interviews, that's what they've, they've sort of hinted and, and teased at. Um, and there was a short preview in the ready room for next week's episode, which includes, you know, sort of Janeway explaining what the Federation is um, to the crew and like, most of them are like, great, let's like set a course. Let's go join the Federation. But then Dahl is not so sure about that. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they sort of tackle that. I, yeah, I want to see new stories. I want to see um, new colors, new dimensions, new types of characters and species um, in Star Trek. And that's, I think that's what this show is all about, right? Yeah, I did see someone keeps asking how old Murph is. I cannot mm. find anything that tells me how old Murph is. Yeah, because no and one I like can how tell they me just, what Murph is. <laughs> I like I like how Rock just brought. Look, I found I found this. Can yeah. we take this? This fun. I named him Murph. Yeah, it's like okay, sure, bring it on. Uh, Chupi says people keep wondering why there are so many alpha species in this series, um, but in Caretaker, which was the Voyager premiere, the Okampan leader says the Caretaker had been bringing ships in for months. Maybe these are from those. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, even though it's even in Voyager, like we, we ran across some Klingons. There were some Cardassians like there were few and far between, but they were around. So there's definitely precedence for Alpha Quadrant um, species being in the Delta Quadrant. And we'll see them, but I just hope we don't see a ton of them. I'd rather see new, new species and new people. 
Yeah, and we have to figure out what uh, Doll is because right. uh, he doesn't know. No one really knows where he comes from. So that I, I that to me is probably the crux of this first season is all trying to find where his home is at is. Be cool if he's just like an avant garde, like twenty fourth century human. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he just he, he's just blue because he thinks it's cool. Um, yeah, this was uh, a really fun premiere. And um, as far as our schedule is concerned going forward, I know we're going to dive into every episode of Discovery Season 4. And we might just pick up on Prodigy here and there, or we might do every episode. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll let you guys know in the Slack, also on Twitter, um, how we're going to cover this going forward. Because there um, will be some overlap. So I imagine, mm -hmm. you know, it might be. You know, maybe like every other week we can have some like prodigy time on the pod or something. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, maybe oh. you're asking me to watch a lot on 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 one day, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna the, make you burn the candle at both ends. Don't worry, we'll figure this out. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, anything else to say about this premiere episode of Prodigy? I think that's it. I'm just, I'm excited for more. So I, I mean, so far 10 out of 10 for me. So I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'll wrap up by saying, um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I assumed that it was going to be good things, but I'm incredibly impressed with what the, what this team has done. Um, and I think they got a hit. Yeah, I think so too. I know Paramount doesn't really release their numbers, but I would be surprised if this doesn't do well, especially with, with old fans. I did see um, there's people in our community um, who are watching it with their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen Twitter um, pictures of, of people introducing their kids to Star Trek with this show. So I think that's what Paramount had in mind. And they didn't just give um, this new generation of potential fans something that is, you know, that, that talks down to them, right? It gave them something that is definitely crafted with care, uh, not just with the visuals, um, but with um, the actors, great, great acting in this in this series, and also with the storyline and, and the depth of character. So thank you for that. All right, I think that's all we got. Um, Mariah, tell people where they can find us online. Yeah, you can go to StarTrekPod.co to find links to all our socials and to find links to the show. You can also find the link to our Patreon there. It's uh, patreon.com slash StarTrekPod, where you can come join us in the Slack so you can talk even more about Prodigy. We can all talk about how much we love Murph and we can start, or not start, we can continue to uh, try to figure out what Murph is. <laughs> so come on down and join us. <laughs> where can we find you online, Moran? Oh, I'm at Mariah Gossett on all the things. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. What about you, Clyde? You can find me and my beard at Clyde Haynes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. You can also find me if you're a Patreon subscriber. You can find me in the chat from time to time. Um, and occasionally when I can figure out the schedule back with the watch crew. That's where you can find me. All right. And you can find me on Twitter and Insta at Mike Moody Garcia. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Live long and prosper. Bye.